Let them take you back to the golden era. Welcome to episode two of the Golden Era podcast. We're glad to have you with us this month. I'm Chris Riddle, and first, I'm being joined by the one and only, you know him as the Bella Boy, Jake Smith. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you? And the one and only, the Southern Sweetheart, Miss Chastity Taylor. Woohoo! Episode two. Let's do this. Yes. Guys, first of all, thank you so much for such an amazing response to last month's episode. Uh, I think we were all kind of taken aback. Not only by all the listenership, uh, the amazing social media reaction. Jake, we've been on fire. <laughs> I am shocked. You know, like, honestly, um, this is the first podcast we've done where we're not talking in other people's voices. So I'm so surprised. I was 11, and I think this is the first podcast I've ever done not talking in somebody else's voices. Chassie Taylor, bless her heart, is, at this point has just gotten used to me doing that in real life every time I, I see I love it. I live for it. So, um, not only did we have some amazing response from the listeners last month, we also got a little bit of a plug for Miss Trish Stratus herself. And Jake, uh, you actually got to meet two of our focal points, Trish Stratus, at at WrestleCon this past year, this past April. As always, you know, they were both amazing. And, um, you know, we might have a little something, something down the road with the girls. So stay tuned for that. But they were both very excited about the podcast. Um, Hopefully they listened in. We saw Trish plugged it. So, yeah, we'll see what happens later this year. So um, stay tuned. And if you don't, I hate you. So <laughs> That's Fail. it. Good, good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, this show is always going to be focused around Trish Stratus and Lita to some extent. But this month we've got a third player we're going to wrap in with those two. Let's get right down to it. One little piece of business before we do. Again, want to thank everybody for tuning in. Looks like we've got, we had a little bit of issues getting our audio feed sorted out, but as of this recording, it looks like everything's good. So now the Golden Era podcast is officially available on all streaming platforms. Let's see, uh, iTunes slash Apple Podcast, uh, Google Play Store. We're even on Spotify, my personal favorite. And of course, you can always check us out first on the amazing Squared Circle Siren. So to be fair, though. Like, yes. would it would it be one of our podcasts without like some sort of like audio technical issue of some kind? You That's know, be our trademark. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. Chastity Taylor just likes to pop on video and say, "Hey, to scare the hell out of us." Listen, I'm just telling y'all, you're all gonna hear it the second whenever I scare the crap out of both Jake and Jose and Chris. I'm just gonna yes. pop up, and you're gonna be like, "Well, there she was." Yep, it's like <laughs> that. It's like one of those jump scare videos. She just magically appears, and it was like, "Hey, y'all." So. <laughs> Uh, let's get into it. This month, we are focusing on jazz, one of my yes. all-time favorites. So jazz, we talked about a little bit in uh, last month's episode, made her debut officially at the Survivor Series. I want to thank um, some of our fans for tweeting out that jazz actually competed against Lita in a series of dark matches before her debut. So we talked uh, last month a little bit about that history between the two going into the match. And jazz, we weren't kind of sure why she was targeting Lita. But it made some sense because even after Survivor Series, it looks like Jazz was um, facing Lita on some of the house shows. So kind of that ECW connection there, testing things out on the road. But she returns to the WWF uh, after the invasion, late December, early January. And Jake, she first makes her impact felt in one of your all-time favorite oh, segments. One of my all-time favorite segments. So l- let me just set the stage for you, because Trish was literally on a stage at WWF New York as the night began. Um, you know, they used to send a wrestler there every week. Uh, they just happened to be in New York that week, so it actually or worked either out either that okay. or they really wanted some spinach and artichoke dough. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going back and <laughs> watching maybe China's guacamole salad. Who knows? Um, but like going back and Not rewatching far. this. Did you, <laughs> you don't live too far away from New York City. Did you ever get to go to WWF New York as a kid? Yes. So um, it was not good. I've <laughs> <laughs> heard that it was horrible. Yeah. I, you know what I actually think was a lot better? Um, in Las Vegas, they had the WCW Nitro Grill. Um, th- their menu was, I thought, a little bit more wrestling themed, which I appreciated. They had the kid menu. Um, and, uh, As in the Billy Kidman? Yes. 
<laughs> it was written like Hitman. You. Did they also have the uh, the Booker T Bone? Yes, they did. Um, there was. I need to find like the menu is the best part though because there was like Photoshop pictures of like Hulk Hogan flexing with like a giant shrimp in his hand and like Kevin Nash holding this massive cheeseburger. Um, I need. I need to research this more. But um, yes, I the, believe that was the Jackknife Power Burger, if I'm not mistaken. It correctly was yes. Um, I think when we all hit the lottery, we need to open this place back up together. What would our dishes be? Or the question. Ooh, um, the oh. Stacy Keebler buns. The, the, um, the, uh, Stacy Keebler have dessert. Like the Stacy Keebler cookie. Um, uh, what the, about the Tory Wilson wontons? Oh, well, I think that's perfect. Um, I would do the paisley on, onion petals. Um, I think that'd be good. The uh, AC jazz fries. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Nitro Girl Steak and Shake. I don't know. The Jazz Stinger uh, Jalapeno Poppers. The, uh, let's see, the Stratisfaction Steak. The uh, Lita Canrana Margarita. Molly Holly Hart. Oh, I want, a Lita, I want a Lita Margarita for sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, the uh, Major uh, the major Guns Pork Buns. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, to, thank you, our producer, Jose, for that one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, there would be a lot of, um, a lot of delicious meals to be had there. But anyway, yeah, WWF New York was, uh, not great. Um, I mean, and if you're a wrestling fan, it was cool, but they had like, I remember, um, just like videos playing of the wrestlers, like while you were eating, like, I, of course, remember they had like one of China, like, what you eating down there? Like, you know, like, it's one. like, it was like just what I want, like to be harassed by these like videos, like my entire I meal. To be harassed by China while you eat, don't lie. Yeah, like <laughs> like hardcore like, You can eat more than that. Like you know, like, just, like yelling at you, like while you See, eat. What you should do is give me the belt. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. So WWF New York was a hot mess. They used to send wrestlers there. I like go, wa- going back and watching footage. Like some of these were like sad segments, like Spike Dudley eating some sad burger alone, and some woman comes up to him and he's like molly who anyway big um, show spend uh wrestlemania 18 there if i'm not mistaken which we're talking yeah, about coming yeah. up later in the show but uh, yeah. <laughs> so okay. anyways you know so our good friend trish stratus may have not been having a great meal at wwf new york oh, but she was delivering some satisfaction um on stage and one of my all-time favorites the best ever terry runnels comes out doing what she does best um Challenging Trish to a wet t-shirt contest. So, um, uh, Terry and Trish, you know, they're going to do it. They're going to go back to Madison Square Garden and have a wet t-shirt contest. And, yeah, um, they wore pink shirts for it. I don't really think that would be anyone's first choice for a wet t-shirt contest if the goal was to show stuff. (laughs) Of course, this was moderated by our favorite announcer. Oh, God. Yeah, the king who was very excited to see some puppies. Oh my god! Yeah. Um. So you know, obviously Terry goes first, and you know, she shows what she's got. Um. Uh. She does like her little like bend over the ropes and everything, and like of course they they're wearing their like little skimpy robes and stuff, and she takes it off and she's like pulling up her thong like as high as it could go, trying to turn it into suspenders. Like I also do that anytime I step in the ring. <laughs> So, you know, Terry's like, you know, doing her thing. She's She's got this in the bag, she thinks. And then it's Trisha's turn. But she wants King to stand a little closer with his super soaker he brought. I forgot to mention that. He brought a super soaker and he was pretending it was a penis. Um, so anyway, um, he's about to <laughs> spray Trish. And PG, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and uh, Jazz comes out. And delivers one of the all-time best DDTs to Trish Stratus, ending this wet t-shirt contest. I believe, um, doesn't, does she beat up Jerry Lawler here? She, she attacks him because he goes to check on Trish to make sure she's okay. He probably just wanted to soak her with the suit, who knows. Um, Jazz kicks his ass. Um, King chases her out of the ring, but she still looks like a badass. Um, and yeah, uh, Jazz makes an impact right away. I love when the like the bikini segments or something end up with like mm-hmm. yeah. real wrestling at the end of it. Like 
somebody comes in, like Victoria, when she turned on all the girls in 2005. That, was, that used to be my phone screen. Like, because when I first got a phone that could have, like, videos as a background, and I thought it was so cool, I recorded it on, like, my flip phone, and it was, like, mm-hmm. but it was, like, a pixelated, like, loading of it, like, of, like, her, like, beating up all the girls. <laughs> <laughs> so... We've got a couple sidebars in this episode because there's a lot going on at the time. And the first one made a young Chris Riddle very sad. Um, around this time, at least temporarily, Lita and the Hardy Boys break up. Oh, that's just sad. Well, ju- just heart. like the Hardy Boys, Lita and Matt, they're breaking up! <laughs> <laughs> that, that was an actual promo. <laughs> no, it start, It looked like they were going to do, and I, we touched on this last episode, it looked like they were going to do something with Matt and Stacy, causing them to break up, and then... And Trish. J- and Trish, and then it just all got dropped, but they still break up. There's a match at Vengeance, and then, which we covered Vengeance in the last episode, but they also have, the Hardys have a match at Vengeance with Lita as the special guest referee. The next night on Raw, it's actually a handicap match. It's Jeff and Lita versus Matt, which... As the biggest Hardy Boys fan in the world as a child, depressed me majorly. Oh, I know. I remember. And then, and then, I think it was either the next week or two weeks after, Matt is at WWF New York when Jeff faces the now evil short hair Undertaker. (laughs) And Undertaker, who looks like my dad with short hair, by the way. (laughs) Badass, uh, American badass short hair Undertaker is like... He gets a Cersei haircut. He's father all the time. So, um, Undertaker ends up spend, uh, sending both Jeff and Lita off the stage to a horrified Matt who's eating his chicken at WWF New York. Oh my god. <laughs> Pizza wontons flying in the air. <laughs> so, by the way, this all happens for them to get back together at the Royal Rumble three weeks later. How did you guys, let me ask you guys. So, I mean, we've been wrestling fans for a while now. So we kind of know like, hey, storylines get dropped every once in a while. But this is the first one I can really remember where a major storyline, they just were like, oh, never mind. We're not going to do this anymore. Like at the time, did you guys realize that was, I didn't like looking back at it. Now I am. But as a kid, I was kind of like, oh, okay, they made up. Like, (laughs) how did you guys feel about them just kind of dropping this? I think if they hadn't been brothers, it would have stood out to me way more. But yeah. I think because they were, like, because it was the Hardys, because I was from North Carolina, because, like, I felt like I knew them. I felt like even at, at that age, I felt like, oh, these are the Hardy brothers. Of course, you know, they're going to make up. I think in my right, mind, right. at that young age, it still made sense. And I, even if they did it today, it would still make sense. It's kind of I mean, like, like in modern times when the Bella Twins broke up and they were yes. magically together in three months. And literally their excuse was, we're sisters. <laughs> right, we fight, we break up, we make up, like, that's what family does. Yeah, I get it. So, I, I just personally thought maybe they went to group therapy. Um, maybe, they had a, maybe they had a talk with Papa Hardy. Um, I think they uh, could just collaborated on a new 3 Extreme t-shirt, and we're like, hey, we'll make some oh, money off this. I remember I had, there's an infamous picture of me as a child eating a Wendy's baked potato. Jake, you'd be so Oh proud. my god, I'm so proud of you. Yes. <laughs> Back when the salads came with breadsticks, it was truly the golden era. Was it the, um, <laughs> was it the purple t-shirt with, like, the picture? Yes! Face? That's my favorite. Yeah, I used to have little, that, too. I love that one. The little kids' plastic table. Y'all remember how they used to have the little kids' plastic tables, like the one-seater tables with the plastic yeah. chairs? Oh, with our voice t-shirt little chubby cheeks spreading his own Chris Riddle with his Wendy's baked potato oh good uh-huh. times highlight of my week used to be WWF Smackdown on Thursday nights on UPN I love it love it love it love it so uh, around this time Jazz defeats Jacqueline to become the number one contender to the WWF Women's Championship and challenges Trish uh, at the Royal Rumble in 2002 but first, uh, three days beforehand on an episode of SmackDown, Jazz actually breaks Trish's hand in one of the most innovative ways I've ever seen, slamming a backstage crate on her hand. I remember this vividly as a child because it stood out so much compared to what the girls were doing at the time. Yeah, it's so true because at the time, like, you know, there weren't a lot of, like, athletic competitive... That's why I guess, like, Jacqueline and Lita, besides these two, probably, oh, and Molly, um, 
but and uh, ivory. yeah, don't forget about and ivory. And ivory. Oh my god, yeah. How could I? Um, so yeah, seeing something like that so physical, like when meanwhile, like the week before, they had like Stacey and Tori in a bikini match or something. You know, it was it was intense. You know, I had someone say today on Twitter that they were actually scared of jazz as a kid, and I can see it. Chess, what kind of little things like that? That that adds a lot of intensity. Sometimes little touches like that can add a lot of intensity to a rivalry, right? Oh, absolutely. So um, maybe jumping the gun here, but going in and looking at their Rumble match um, or the match at the Royal Rumble, uh, from the get-go, Jazz is already – she's already got the, the heat with the fans, and you already fear her, whether – like, you fear her for Trish. And the match starts off before Trish can even get two feet, you know, over the ropes and in the ring. And as Trish is trying to take her coat off and stuff, like Jazz is going at her, so she just has this aggressive stance and demeanor to her from the get go that it it really makes her like so easy to hate. And she's also this outsider, this alien that people are still trying to understand and still right. trying to get to know. So like, yeah, she came in with you know, with such fire and intensity that it was something new. We were so used to seeing. Um, Yes, the the women were athletic, but this this aggressive sense and nature that she brought with her was something so new at the time. Um, it was it was something fresh. You know, it reminded me a lot of, but like a little bit more extreme. She reminded me kind of of shades of like Luna in 1998 when she was feuding with Sable. You know, like where it was just like it was so aggressive and she was just like wow like this is like not a woman this is like, like this intensity like, and yeah like it's just like what is going on like it's just like something you didn't expect to see from the women at that time so you know jazz just like came out of the out of the gate like not giving a shit like you know like for lack of a better word she just like went right out of it at, a, at everyone and you can see that in any match she was in even the number one contenders match with Jacqueline she just like went right out her right away you know like we were saying with Lita she went right out of her like she was all business you know she had one goal and it was like pretty clear and she would do anything to get there I love it. I'm trying to find, think of the quote. Um, I literally just saw it recently. But there's one that was like, if you're not trying to be on top, then you shouldn't be. Like, if your goal is not to be number one, then get out. Something like that. Like, her, you could tell from the from the second she stepped foot into the ring, the intensity that she brought, the aggression that she brought, her goal was to become champion. And even when she was champion, then her goal was to, to retain that championship. So yeah. she, just, she never lost that fire and that intensity. And I feel like that's one of those things where um, – comparing the, the the divas before this era and even you know the lull we got um after this era um she was just something she's always going to be remembered as something different she looked different she trained different she worked different her body was shaped different everything about her and the intensity that she brought was something fresh and because of that because of that intensity it makes you root for trish more as well because finally there's this passion behind trish stratus because she's the scrappy underdog that's mm -hmm. that's going up against the intensity the beatdowns of jazz right. do you guys think help do you guys think um jazz helped get trish over as much as she was i honestly did not realize how much she was helping trish get over until i watched this back because mm -hmm. like the fans react to Trish winning the title like they're rooting for her, but there's so much of a breakthrough when she has this ma these matches with Jazz we're about to talk about. Like, you really, this is where you start to see what becomes of Trish Stratus later on. What? Like, this is when you first, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, this is when you start to see the makings of what we would come to know over the next couple of years. Yeah. If you, if you compare, honestly, like week over week, like legitimately, you saw Trish busting out new moves. You saw her um, getting more innovative in the ring. You saw her being more comfortable. You could like even just see it in the way she moved. Um, and every week she was working with Jazz pretty much. You know, whether it be like a six man tag or like you know a one on one thing, a tag team match. She was pretty much always working against Jazz. So you know, Jazz was playing this great role of you know this unstoppable force. But you know, Trish was the underdog you wanted to root for, and she was getting so comfortable in this role and you can really see her growing into a legitimate wrestler compared to like you know when she first won the title she had a match um the first night on i can't remember who it was i just watched it last month it was lita actually lita and it was it was rough um you know but like you know she she wasn't a fully trained wrestler at that point you know she was just like okay we're gonna put the belt on you 
but she really was growing into a wrestler. Yeah, and I'd like to make a note that um, earlier today when um, Golden Era tweeted out that we were recording, there was a um, handle at Chef Emmett on Twitter made the comment, Jazz made Trish Stratus. And I read that and immediately got pissed, y'all. I was like, how dare you? Like, if you if you interviewed a locker room at any wrestling show and you asked five female wrestlers, name your favorite wrestler, at least three of them, and I'm, I'd am i be even be willing to say four, are going to tell you Trish Stratus. Um, no one would ever knock or disrespect Jazz, but she just doesn't seem to come to mind as everyone's favorite wrestler. Um, so I read this comment or this tweet from you know the the Twitter handle at Chef Emmett, and I was like, what in the world is he talking about? And then I got to thinking about it, and the same thing you guys just said, Trish, I don't want to say that she was handed the championship for her first reign, but she was very much just... She was there. She had. She looked the part, and she was athletic, and she right. learned. She was trainable, um, and and so she fit this role so perfectly. But then I think working with Jazz, and I made a note when I was watching their their match at the Royal Rumble that even though Trish, the fans had seen for longer, you know, this specific crowd when when Jazz came in, she was for sure the ring vet. And you, if you go back and watch those matches with a, a different mindset, you know, I, I tend to look at things, I try to look at them as a fan, but I also see the worker side of it. You watch Jazz lead her through the ring. You watch Jazz talk to her and put her where she needs to be. And just that ring etiquette of the veteran to rookie, like mindset is fantastic to watch. It's such a, I mean, for me, myself, like watching that back, I was just like, this is what every rookie, every greenhorn, every young girl in the business looks up to and wants. They want that girl to take them under their wing and, and mold them. And jazz definitely did that for Trish. And I never thought about that until I got mad at Twitter today. So, I <laughs> so they square off the Royal Rumble in 2002. And for some reason, y'all, Jacqueline's now unexplicably a full-time referee. Yeah. Uh, I I feel, honestly, I feel like in 2002, they just did not know what to do with, actually, no, 2001. Like, they just, like, did it. She was, like, the APA's, like, I don't even know for, like, a little bit. And then, like, all of a sudden, she's a wrestler again. Great. And then they throw her in these crop tops, and <laughs> she's repping. Unexplicably, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> the best line, speaking of crop tops, comes at the Royal Rumble 2002 when Lawler tries to say uh, all referees should wear that outfit, and Jr. goes, "You think all Hebner wants to wear that?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So um, what did you guys think of this women's championship match? It was short. You know, we kind of talked about match times. I'm not, I think I've got so accustomed to these big built up matches now in yeah. modern times that I'm not used to the title matches being like three to five minutes, but yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was you know, an amazing yeah. match. It wasn't a really, again, that rookie to veteran, like watching her, watching Jazz lead her through everything was, it was one of the best women's matches I've seen. And I went back and watched it. For essentially, like, maybe the second, I don't think I've ever watched it more than once. So going back and watching it, I was thinking, like, this is five minutes. This was five minutes, bell to bell, probably even with entrances. And the story that they told was, like, exceptional. It was perfect. You know, one of the reasons we kind of wanted to do this podcast is this era doesn't get a lot of the credit it deserves. You know, everyone's like, oh, well, they just had, like, quick little matches. Like, the women today are doing all this, that, and the other. But again... They wouldn't be doing the stuff they're doing today without these women. Absolutely. They had, like, zero time. You know, like, back then, they weren't getting the respect they deserved. Um, they're like, here's uh, five, ten minutes of the show. Um, make it work. And I I was so impressed. For someone with as little experience as Trish and someone with as much experience of jazz to make a story in that amount of time, you know, and Jacqueline as well. You know, she played her part as well. Um, it, I, it's incredible, you know, and I think that's something, you know, to aspire to. I mean, I hope they don't go back to these short little times, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. But Chastity, from a former worker's pr perspective, it's got to be very difficult to get everything you want to do in, in such a short amount of time and still make an impact with that match. I think that's the hardest part about putting a match together. Like, honestly, when you're told, um, Hey, you've got uh, eight to 10 minutes and you're like, okay, now what, what can you do? I mean, eight to 10 minutes seems like nothing. I mean, 
it just like I think about my morning routine getting ready for work now like it it takes me 25 minutes to get ready for work in the mornings yeah. and, and ladies and gentlemen she still gets done faster and looks better than I do it takes me 30 <laughs> to 35 but like 20 to 25 minutes to get ready and I'm like I feel rushed and you're given these girls are given five to eight minutes to tell a story, like get the fans interested, captivate them, bring them up, bring them down, bring them up, bring them down. And then, you know, give them the finish. And it, it, that's the hardest part about putting a match together, in my opinion, especially for, you know, starting out. So, um, I agree five, five to eight minutes doesn't seem like long to us, but they, they made it work and it was such a good match. And Jake, you pointed out that, that Jacqueline's played her role. She was an amazing referee in this. Yeah, match. she like, was. She didn't look like, you know, a diva that just threw on some stripes and, and was told, Hey, your spot tonight's the guest referee. Like she, she looked like she'd been doing this for a while. Like she looked like she was comfortable in that role. And I think that speaks volumes of the professionalism that they represented then too. So um, I agree. She had an, she had an exceptional role in this match too. I wonder if they, we're having Jacqueline do house shows as a rap during this time. She was at some points as well, I believe, from Last what time. I was reading on Cage Match, yeah. I so, believe. something very interesting that stood out to me in this match, Trish hits the Stratisfaction, and Jazz, they said she countered, but this was a kick out, and I don't really remember anybody ever after this for the most part, kicking out of Stratisfaction. Or before this, even in the men's yeah. matches, it wasn't very common to kick out of a finish. Nowadays, oh my God, no. you both times in a match. But like a finish was named that for a reason. This is something that you use to finish your opponent. And I, I wrote that down too for this, that I thought this was one of the first times we had ever seen an opponent kick out of a finish. Not just in women's matches, in men's matches as well, especially in this time frame, Chastity, like you said. It's not, you know, you may see it at WrestleMania or something like that, but not in a regular title match at the rumble. So what's interesting is she is able to pick up the victory with a standard running bulldog, which JR calls stratisfaction. Right. <laughs> the DDT or one of them called the DDT earlier in the match, the stratisfaction. And I was like, come yeah. on. Let's oh get it. no. <laughs> How many different oh. stratisfactions are there? Yeah. Oh, apparently 12 oh. in this match in five. <laughs> Close line. Stratisfaction. Right. <laughs> I remember watching at the time and becoming a huge <laughs> Close on to Stratisfaction. <laughs> we got a lot of China line. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> so I remember at the time, you know, becoming a huge Trish fan, but actually being really surprised that she walked out with the title here after how Jazz had kind of beat her Same. down the previous week. Yeah, yeah. I was shocked. So uh, the following SmackDown, Trish defeats Jazz, but it's by disqualification after Jazz refuses to break an armbar on Trish's... Another pre- example of her just being this fierce force to be reckoned with that you genuinely fear. Like, that was aggressive. So we don't... These days, we don't see something like this at all. We didn't see it that much back in the day. And I don't remember seeing this from the women before or since. Like, getting DQ'd for refusing to break a hold. No, I, I don't think so. I can't remember anyone off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, no, it was. It, but the thing is, too, what was even more crazy about it was it looked intense. It looked it looked devastating. You know, it didn't just look like, oh, she's hurting her a little bit. Like, no, it looked painful. And like, I think that's a credit to Trish as well, yeah. who really sold the crap out of like all the stuff Jazz was putting her through. This was around the time that Trisha's selling really improved as well. Oh, yeah, I was, absolutely. I made that note too that <laughs> as a worker, like if you ask anyone, they'll tell you it's so much easier for anyone but me. I'll go ahead and say this. It was not easy for me. To, <laughs> to be like a belligerent jerk to the fans or to your opponent. Like it just it's way easier. I'll say it this way, it's way easier to make fans hate you because even the best of intentions one botch spot, one, you know, mess up and the fans are going to turn on you quickly, especially more so now than before. But like to make the fans believe in you and to feel for you and to sympathize and empathize with you and to legit think that you're hurt. That's hard. That's a really like tough job to pursue when you are being the baby face in a match. And I'll throw out here that my two favorite wrestlers in the world um, are Shawn Michaels and Ricky Morton. And if you, when you think of them, they're like synonymous with overselling, but like you believed in them and you believed in their pain. And in this match, like I remember watching it originally, I remember like 
crying. Oh my God, daddy, they're breaking her arm. But like going back now and this weekend, looking at it, I was thinking like, look at her go. Like, look at Trish stepping up. Her athleticism has never been doubted, but her, like her, is believability a word? I'm a teacher here. Like the fact that we believed in her in that moment was so impressive. She was so like, just her selling in this match was phenomenal. It, it so, really was. This continues to escalate, and Trish faces off with Jazz on the February 4th, 2002 episode of Raw to win the Women's Championship after one of the first occasions of her using the Fisherman's Buster, which I love as a finisher, by the way. Um, I don't know about you guys. This match, to me, was even better than the Rumble. I loved oh, yeah. this match. Well, they, they were bringing up a whole nother level of intensity. You know, like... It, this has gotten like more than just about the title. Like this is turning personal, you know, after like jazz, like just showed like the week before, like weeks before she wanted to punish Trish. Like this was more than the title. She wanted to get her out of the picture. She wanted to take her belt and get her out of the ring, you know? So it was just a whole nother level of intensity because Trish was not only fighting to defend her title, she was fighting to defend herself and her career. So, I love the ending sequence of this. Chassie, I don't know if you called this, but but Trish is countered out of a stratisfaction into a huge back suplex, and then uh, Jazz hits the Fisherman Buster. This was freaking awesome. I like, loved. Like, the impact of this, like, just... And it looked like I was kind of worried at first, because sometimes, from what I've seen, like, countering out of satisfaction is not that easy, because the momentum can kind of take you over sometimes. But the strength of Jazz, like, this was so cool to me. And Trish just, again, sells it like death. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, it, it was such... And, you know, I think it was so appropriate, too, because, like, the satisfaction was how Trish was, like, winning most of her matches at this time. So, you know, to just, like, Jazz show, like, your biggest move, your best move is no match for me. You know, like, she had already kicked out of it before. But now to show, like, it's breakable, like, you can't hit this every time. <laughs> it just, it really showed even more so, like, Jazz is a force to be reckoned with and kicked off her reign as champion the right way. All right, ladies and gentlemen, after that, Jazz begins a series of matches with uh, Molly Holly on Heat and Raw. Molly now acting as a babyface. Jake, I believe you got to check some of these out. Yeah, you know, these were fantastic matches. Um, and I think this is, you know, we saw like Molly was, is, we've known Molly is one of like, you know, the most reliable workers WWE has for the longest time. You know, she's always really put on great matches and to see her go against someone who was also like a skilled in ring technician at that time when jazz, it was really a treat for fans, you know, because Trish was not at that level yet. You know, um, Lita wasn't really wrestling at that time. So, and Jacqueline, you know, was like kind of half and half as well. So it was a treat to really see, you know, like two people who were both skilled in the ring really go at it. And these matches were so good, you know, cause they both have that intense passion about them and there were, it was technical, it was intense, it was just, it was fantastic wrestling. I love me some babyface Mighty Molly. Yes. Like, oh, so good. I just think she, you know, she was probably better known as a heel during, like, the prude type era. But, like, I love me some babyface Molly Holly. There was one spot, um, and it didn't go as planned, but in theory, it was really cool, uh, where Molly was making her entrance still, and, you know, Jazz, in typical Jazz fashion, just starts the match on her terms when she wants and starts just kicking Molly's ass. And she rips her cape off, and she tries to rip it in half. And, you know, like, whatever the hell that cape is made of, she, she can't do it, but she just, like, tosses it like it's nothing. So, so, like, it still had the same impact, but it was just like, okay, like, I don't give a crap about your little superhero games. Like, I'm here to mean business, which just kind of, like, you know, almost made Molly this, like, lovable underdog baby face in that moment, too. So, from all the progress we made, it kind of goes backwards because, guys, after that, there's no women's match at No Way Out. <laughs> like, it was surprising, you know, as it was going week by week, it was actually a little surprising how often there were no women's matches at all. Like on Raw, you know, like I, I think of this when I think back of it this time, I was like, oh, it was such an action packed time. And this feud with Jazz and Trish was so hot, which it was, but it wasn't even featured every episode, every week. 
And by the way, at this time, like, we had Raw and SmackDown. There was no excuse, and everybody on one show. There was no excuse not to, well, hell, everybody might as well be on one show now. Anyways, <laughs> uh, but there was no excuse not to feature them, so it's kind of odd. But we did have a couple things that I want to sidebar. One of my all-time favorite angles, the original divorce of Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, which, Jake, I know came about with one of our all-time favorite segments, which has resulted in one of the greatest gifts of all time. It's it's literally, I use it as a reaction for everything. Like, everything. Um, yeah, I I got so much joy re-watching this segment. I can remember my 8th grade music teacher telling me she watched wrestling um, and happened to just see the segment. She's like, and I thought of you. And she's like, I was so confused why they were getting a divorce and he was she was yelling. It was scary. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, no. So Triple H, Stephanie, you know, they're going to renew their vows. Stephanie is pregnant, um, but it's smashing. That's <laughs> 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 this. Triple H returns from his injury as a babyface. <laughs> Stephanie has um, been off of TV ever since losing to Team WWF as part of the alliance at uh, Survivor Series. Um, she uses Triple H's return as a way to kind of sneak back around. So you've got this weird dichotomy of Triple H as a babyface now, Stephanie as a heel, and they're married. So... Triple H is kind of getting beloved by the fans, so Stephanie does not like this, and she's trying to do things to take Hunter's attention, and they're kind of feuding more and more. So Wait, real quick, can I just mention a really quick segment that I came across during this time that it's not on our agenda, but I really just want to mention it. Um, so, so just rewinding a quick sec to the Royal Rumble, um, the Monday before the Rumble, Deborah makes a rare yes! appearance <laughs> on Raw, and Stephanie is like coming into the building, and Deborah's like, I guess, like there too. And she goes, Oh, hi, Debbie. And so Stephanie comes over and she's like, hi, Steffi. Um, she goes, so my husband, Stone Cold, is going to kick your husband's butt. And Stephanie's like, well, my husband's going to kick your husband's butt. And then they start pushing each other and it turns into this crazy cat fight. Which it's is like the best so slap good. of all time. It's so good. I'm like, in too. Deborah like even slaps like a bunch of the officials trying to break it up after. It was such a good segment. <laughs> Deborah had her stone cold vest, and yeah. Stephanie is in this blue outfit that actually ends up in the video game that year, if I remember correctly. Also, like what I did not realize, like a lot of Stephanie's action figures are based off of this time period. No panty Stephanie is from this period. I had no idea. I thought it was before this. Well, I thought it was. I, I always believed as well, but she wears the outfit on an episode that aired during this time. She reused it because I, I wouldn't think after you know after you that know, action figure came out, I wouldn't know if I wanted to repeat that outfit though. I'm trying to think like, well, it was it's definitely based off this outfit because it even ties the same way in the back. She wears like the black hooker boots with it, and like you know, I I got it. I have to find which week it was, but like I watched it and I was like, I can't believe she'd rewear that outfit after the scandal. Definitely, so. definitely the light blue, um, and that's been this episode's action figure corner, which we yeah. always have to do. Chastity, just so you're aware, there was a Stephanie McMahon action figure release, and they did not put panties on her, and she was wearing a skirt, and like it definitely looked like there was some um, stuff there. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Bone crunch in action. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> they uh, had to do a recall. And yeah, reissued the figure. This was out of the Sunday Night Heat series, I believe, Jake. Hi. I owned this figure, and it is accurate. I remember this. It was, I was I, like, what the hell? It was the weirdest thing. I remember like being so excited there was like a Stephanie in dress because I hated like the leather pants Stephanie figures. Um, and like one of them was like awful. It was like I'm pretty sure it was in an outfit Stacey Healer wore for a brown panties match, which was like some like red crushed velvet top or something. I don't know. With the black but, pants? Yes. So um, uh, this is a sidebar, and I, I'm sorry, I've got to interrupt you for this. That action figure is how I figured out Santa Claus wasn't real. Yeah. Oh no! Oh no! Did you find it? Um, not exactly. We had gone to Disney World the week before Christmas. And I had been searching for this action. Well, it's it's one of the times that I found out Santa wasn't. This is when this is that age when you first start realizing hmm, that doesn't add up. So uh, 
like the, the, the genesis of my uh, Santa Claus journey over the next three years was this. So uh, I'd been searching for this action figure for months, and we had went into a Walmart in Florida. We were actually driving down past Orlando to see the Mets play. Well, at spring training. And, right, it's 40. Decision, not me. <laughs> Um, so we go into Walmart for something, and of course I always have to look at the action figures, and there's the damn Stephanie sitting there with the toolbox. Titantron <laughs> Live Series 7. Stephanie McMahon Helmsley, her first action figure, because damn babyface Stephanie didn't get released. So, even though I looked all over that, because it was on the back of the box, <laughs> um, they wouldn't let me get it. I didn't understand, because we had all been searching for this thing forever. And Chris was crying and screaming and freaking out. I was like six years old at the time. I didn't understand it at all until it ended up underneath my tree Christmas morning. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Poor thing. Yeah. So that was, uh, and then there was me finding some presents and years following. But yeah, that was the beginning. And then, and the hilarity between that is she's wearing red right at Christmas, too. Yeah. Oh. Uh... Oh, man. Anyway, so getting on to things with clothing. Um, barely. Uh, barely. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't even remember. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they, they have this whole segment. They renew their wedding vows. And um, so Stephanie, uh, she had told Triple H she's pregnant. Um, Linda McMahon, this hero is, of the this day. Is the be- this is the best. The she, secretary of small business, Linda McMahon. She calls Triple H and she gives him like a VHS tape or something like that. And she goes, oh, that doctor you saw was not a doctor. You need to watch the tape. So the doctor was an actor. And the video just happens to be him like advertising like a sandals or something. And he's like, it has smashing beaches. It's a smashing resort. Because he said smashing a million times when like they found out they were pregnant. So she, Stephanie has been had like. The gig, the gig. Actually, a really clever angle the way they revealed it. It really was. Like, I remember being like, (gasps) so Stephanie and Vince headed to the ring to meet Triple H for the vow renewal. But hold on, sorry to interrupt you. The best part of that was the Linda McMahon on the analog phone guiding Triple H through the tape. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie was never pregnant. I'm so sorry, Hunter. Hunter, I'm so sorry. so funny um anyway so yeah so he comes stephanie comes out she's like you know wearing her like it's like i call it lita light her wedding dress like you know like (laughs) (laughs) like like it's a little a little revealing not as bad as like lita's like j wow looks um but like it did look like j wow right right like whenever i like describe like lita circa 2006 i'm like you know like j wow and they're like oh okay like (laughs) look at her boobs hanging out but um anyway so they it's come out the segment it's one of my all-time favorites you know like stephanie like they have like this some shitty singers come out and sing like that together (laughs) song um and stephanie does her little vows and then triple h does his and he's you know he's doesn't see stephanie today as his loving wife not as the mother of his children but for what she truly is a no good lying bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and a very good hunter impression. Listen. Yeah, so yeah, you know, someone taught me very well who just happens to mention some things about Hunter sometimes. Anyway, so uh, they uh get in a little scuffle. Um I think Vince gets a pedigree and uh Stephanie is sitting in the ring as Triple H backs up the ram and Stephanie like one of the most iconic WWE segments of moments of all time for me. She lets out this blood curdling scream. There's a gif of her, like where like green, like lights come out of her eyes and like flames, like with that scream. This should have been what happened in the actual segment. Oh my God. It was the funniest thing, but I, I, I died, but um, it was, that's what we kind of got an angle involving Stephanie instead of a women's match at no way out. That was kind of women's contribution. There was a lot going on with the NWO and, and the undisputed title and all of that. So unfortunately we didn't have a women's match, but Stephanie definitely played a crucial role as um, it must've been the year of a women's special guest referee. Cause I'm pretty (laughs) sure Stephanie was still in jazz's, it's not jazz's Jacqueline's uh, top at no way out. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's she. See, she lends her the top. You know, Earl Hemner wouldn't wear it that night, so Stephanie <laughs> took it. Um, <laughs> so but, um, yeah, a lot's going on. We'll breeze through some of this. Triple H and Stephanie split. Stacy Keebler's now with the Dudleys. Um, I like this. <laughs> Duchess of Dudleyville, Stacy is my all-time, and actually anything Stacy is my all-time favorite. She's a future Hall of Famer, but um, <laughs> I love Duchess of Dudleyville, Stacy. It was such a good role for her, and she was so cute with her little glasses. Um, uh, I, I just I loved Stacy with the Dudleys. It's the only time I've liked the Dudleys. She made me love camo. Yes! <laughs> like, honestly, like, I had a stepdad who was in the military at this time, and I remember, like, this was when, like, military was kind of going into, I think it was around the time they were going into, like, the digital camo kind of stuff, and we had plenty of it at home because of his stuff, and I would literally get in trouble for going in there and sneaking his camis so that I could, like, I wanted to be, I wanted to be Stacy Keebler with the Dudleys here. <laughs> uh, you know how I knew I, well, like, everyone in my family knew I was gay before I knew I was gay? Um, <laughs> so... I didn't know Jake, and I knew he was gay. So, and then I said, and then when I realized who he was, I said, we're going to work together uh, for the next 25 years. So, like, <laughs> this is, like, probably, like, the most embarrassing story I've ever told. And then Chastity time. Taylor said, you need to move back and we'll be best friends. And here we are. <laughs> so, like, when we used to play wrestling and stuff like that, and, like, my brothers would, like, be, like, Bubba Ray and, like, Jeff Hardy or whatever. <laughs> You'd like, be Stacy. I'd be Stacy. And I would, like... Where, like, I had, like, a pair of, like, camo boxers, and I would, like, reenact the spot from, like, WrestleMania 18, where oh, she stands oh on it, and, like, pull it up into a talk. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Seriously, ending on that note. <laughs> She's got legs! So, big Stacey Keebler friends. <laughs> so... The Hardy Boys and Rita, Lita reunite, and Lita begins to be inserted into the women's inserted to the women's championship picture. Uh, Jazz defeats Trish by DQ to win the title, uh, retain the title shortly thereafter. They have a little bit of a brawl. The Raw before WrestleMania, Jazz teams with Stacy Keebler to Woo! defeat Trish Trish and Lita. You know, of uh, odd couple teams. I believe this may be my all time favorite. I I love it. You know. I think they should have made it a fatal four-way at Mania <laughs> <laughs> with Stacey. Just for a moment. She, she, I, you know, she, she should have been champ. Anyway, um, but no, actually, so anyway, they wanted to make Stacey champ, apparently, but she, being the saint she is, admitted, I'm not as good of a wrestler as the rest of the girls. Put it on them. So Stacey's a trooper. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I loved this match. I thought it was, I loved whenever Stacey wrestled. I mean, granted, she wasn't an amazing wrestler, but I loved whenever she did her little cartwheel spot or whatever. Oh, um, I loved that. Oh, or so the foot good. choke in the corner? Yes! Oh, I loved it. <laughs> but um, heel Stacey especially, like, awesome. And just her teaming with Jazz, who clearly, like, you could even tell in her face, like, she's like, I want nothing to do with this bitch. Like, you know? Like, <laughs> in a handicap. like I'd rather face them in a handicap. Yeah. You so, can uh, tweet along with us using the hashtag uh, Saint Stacy, and if you have a problem with that, you can tweet us at Connor Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, just like you know, it got me even more hyped for the WrestleMania match because for for me, you know, looking back on it, um, I mean, I was always excited about the women's matches at WrestleMania, obviously, and it just felt like this year. Besides Trish and Lita, you, I'm sorry, besides Trish and Jazz, Lita just kind of felt like an afterthought and just kind of like, okay, we don't really have much for her to do right now, but she's popular, so we should put her in a match at WrestleMania. Um, so she just kind of seemed wedged into there, but this match kind of got me a little bit more excited, like, oh, okay, Lita has a place in this match, and especially, you know, that whole week in general just got me excited about Lita being involved in the match. And see, okay, I loved and worshipped the ground that Lita walked on. Mm-hmm. Um naturally like again carolina girl at heart like i loved everything about her hearing from sanford north carolina like that always got a pop for me but my dad i remember like i was never allowed to watch ecw for so many obvious reasons um but my dad would always have like the the wrestling magazines and stuff and i remember looking back and seeing her as miss congeniality and like Mm -hmm. the thong out of her pants and 
like just her burping and farting and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my God, there's girls like me out there. (laughs) 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 So I loved Lita and this, I agree. This was a moment where I was like, okay, this is her time to shine. Let's do this. Like she doesn't just have to be Matt Hardy's girlfriend. She's way better than that. So I was all about this. (laughs) So Speaking of iconic Lita moments, this, ladies and gentlemen, is widely regarded as maybe the greatest backstage brawl of the golden era. The SmackDown before WrestleMania 18, Trish Stratus and Lita, quite frankly, beat the hell out of each other backstage. Yeah, they did. Whew! I can tell you exactly where I was (laughs) where I was watching this. This is one of those moments, I mean, they... It started out pretty simple. You know, they're disagreeing. It's kind of like this friendly bickering back and forth. And by the end of it, good God. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Brutal. It was was intense. You know, like Trish had like the little WrestleMania 18. They used to have like those cute little baseball jerseys. I I love those. Did they? I don't don't know. But they were cute. Um, But, you know, I love Trish used to like wear it with like a little tie and stuff. And I just, I love this. I even showed it to Doug and like Doug's my husband, for those of you who don't know. And if you don't. The saint known as Doug Smith. (laughs) (laughs) The wrestling icon. (laughs) (laughs) He was even like, oh, that was really good. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, like, do you want me to go put on my Stacey Keebler outfit? Like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So. Like, yeah, no, it was such a good brawl. Gentlemen, my poor roommates just heard me pop so loud at that. Send your hate tweets at Cono Kelly. <laughs> but it, was, it it just really got me so excited. And you know what I think, what, what I love the most about it is going into this match, I'm thinking Jazz is the badass. Jazz is the one who's like, you don't want to fuck with her. But then, like, after seeing this, I'm like, oh, you don't want to fuck with any of them. Like, they're they're all, like, crazy. They're all going to beat the crap out of you, you know? Like, it just, it brought it to a whole new level of intensity going into this for me. So, uh, we've come to our final match on this episode. WrestleMania 18 from the Sky Dome in Toronto, Canada. Jazz defeats Trish Stratus and Lita to retain the WWF Women's Championship in a triple threat match. A couple uh, entrance notes I want to get out of the way. Yeah. Trish obviously coming out last, um, which is very interesting with her Canada, the iconic Canada attire, which you can now buy in a uh, retailer near you, an action figure form, a Walmart near you. Actually, um, buy a one on her website too if you want yes just do that give her the money to <laughs> now buy one of those nifty little t-shirts i hear the guy that makes the logos are pretty cool oh. um also uh lita comes out to the full version of love fury passion energy which is very weird to hear because i'm so used to the intro cut of that <laughs> unpopular opinion i prefer that version really Yes, I always when I used to play with my figurines, like I always used to make her come out to like that version instead. Like I didn't like I remember when she first returned and like I was like, "Yay, she's back." And then like it was like the she beat the crap out of like Molly and Gale in 2003. And then like but then it was the screaming version and I was like, "Oh, what what happened?" Like, <laughs> like JR goes, "I hear that song called Boy Hit Car." And King goes, "No, it's by Boy Hit Car." And JR goes, somebody gave me wrong information then. (laughs) (laughs) And this, I just felt this on a personal level. (laughs) (laughs) How, like, awesome were, like, you know, Mania is always one of our favorites, like, as, like, wrestling fans, um, to see the attires. I really liked everyone's gear in this match too like i love jazz's like little gold outfit yes, and then i loved the gold her Thank hair you. looks really good here oh, so good i i, I was, i've said this the other day i was always a big fan of like jazz's headband era um like i love that um trish's canadian flag outfit amazing um and lita's, lita's outfit was good uh i i personally was never a big fan of lita's gears um She's kind of like Becky Lynch for me, where like it's like I like her a lot, but like her gear never really does anything for me. Um, but she has gears for her returns the last few times oh, have yeah. been better than her 
Her, for me, her Edge era was really, like, a, like the Wow era, as yeah. I'm going to call it, was, like, where I was at for the years. But, like, obviously, like, I'm, like, the more revealing, the better. So, like, um, yeah, no, but, like, she had, like, a cutout of her, I think, on her shirt, and it was, like, kind of hanging down. Um, but, yeah, no, but Jazz's outfit was awesome. Trish's outfit was awesome. And it was just, it was a good match, you know, for what it was. It, they were stuck in a hard place on the card. Um they were right after Hulk Hogan and The Rock, so the crowd was like, you know... Yeah, I was going to point that out. What? Uh, Chas, you're a former worker. That's got to be something really difficult to deal with, to try to get the crowd engaged like a big main event match like that afterwards. Absolutely. I hate like sounding like, oh, back in my day, but I honestly came up in the air where women were still a part of that attraction match. Like, we were still trying to prove our worth, but like we were definitely like... We were on the poster, depending on what our gear looked like. We were before intermission so that we could make some money during intermission. Um, or we were the first match after intermission so that we still looked presentable for intermission. I mean, they like the promoters definitely promoted the women's matches in a way to, to make themselves money, not so much us. So right. like following such a like monumental match too, like that's stressful. Like for I can't imagine those girls knowing that they're having less than 10 minutes to go out there. It's a triple threat, which are some of the hardest matches to put together because getting three people to, you know, cohesively work together, getting one person out of the ring so that two people can run their spots or whatever. Like that's a really difficult structure to put together. And then to follow, you know, the likes of the men that they followed, it's definitely like, I can't imagine it would, would have been a very stressful match even before the bell started. Oh yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, go ahead, Jake. No, no, I was going to say, I was like, I still think they pulled it off. I remember reading in uh, Lita's book, um, Amy Dumas, The Road Less Traveled, um, the reality of Amy Dumas. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, that it wasn't her favorite match and that she didn't really enjoy that WrestleMania, um, which is so funny to think because, like, that was her only Mania match. Um, but I, you know, I thought they did a great job. Oh my God, was that Lita? Sorry to cut you off, Jake. Was that Lita's only WrestleMania match? It was, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, she wasn't in. She she was like. She was 17. She was in. She came out for uh, the ladder match. She was Um, jerking edge off. Yeah, the ladder. (laughs) 2000, she didn't wrestle. Um, 19, she wasn't there. Um, 20, she wasn't part of the show. Um, 21. She was supposed to be with Christy Hemi. She was training. She was training Christy to wrestle. Someone Trish knows very well. Um, 22. She was um, with Edge in the uh, hardcore match against McFoley, and then you know she wasn't there at 23. And then um, yeah, so she that's her only media match, which is shocking. We should point out our producer Jose Gonzalez just brought up. This is actually the only hometown women's title match at WrestleMania until Naomi. In uh, 2017, so very interesting fact there. Um, Trish has been candid about the fact that, um, and I somebody correct me if I'm wrong, that she had a little bit of heat around this time because I believe she didn't want to do an angle kissing Tori or doing something with Tori. Um, There was some little thing that they wanted to do, like a backstage segment or something that she refused. That Trish, are you talking about Trish refused to do it? Yeah, something yeah, I, she, yeah. I remember that she said, um, you know, there was so many things I was willing to do that I was willing to. I, yeah, you want me to do this? You want me to do that? The Mickey James thing she never had a problem with. You know, of course, this was much later on. Okay. But she said that she felt that in that moment, it did not make sense for her character to do this. And I personally, after going back and watching, you know, getting ready for this podcast that we're doing and stuff, I really think she was coming into her own sense of purpose and like self-worth as a wrestler and not just a sex symbol, whatever. I think she was developing that sense of like, no, I, I am more than just sex appeal and looks like I am an athlete. I am talented. I'm a worker. I think this was one of those moments where she was standing her ground because she knew she was better than that. She didn't mean to necessarily stoop down to that level. And I think that's an awesome thing to pride herself on. I agree. To be honest, like that segment would have, really set her back and like made her look like less of a threat especially coming off of a, ma- a segment where her and lita are beating the crap out of each other yeah. in the smackdown before like then she's like making out with tori which it actually disappoints me tori was not involved at this wrestlemania at all but i wouldn't have i'd, I'd prefer that than kissing trish stratus and I don't remember if it's around this time or slightly afterwards but i do specifically remember trish saying that it was 
that may have been why she didn't walk out of WrestleMania 18 with the title and the big Canada moment. So. You know, I, I was surprised that Trish didn't walk out of this mania with the title. I remember watching it and thinking, okay, well, Trish is like definitely going to win. It's a hometown thing. Like, you know, being so young and naive at that time, like, and then, uh, Jazz retains, which I'm glad she did because, you know, like Jazz was such a hard worker. She was giving her all. She was putting these women over and, you know, that's her only mania moment and she deserved it. You know, I'm, you know what? I think Jazz deserved the moment. I honestly thought the match, especially in the spot they were given, uh, was really good. I love the finish. Um, Yes. (laughs) Really the biggest takeaway I think that still sticks to this day in a lot of ways is that Trish and Lita stare down halfway through the match. That is still used. And and you hear the crowd pop for it too. Um, That is a moment that we still see in video packages and highlight reels to this day. Which is actually, honestly, it kind of makes me upset though. (laughs) Because Jazz gets included. Jazz, okay, I'm going to be for real for a second. Jazz really got the shaft with this match. Like, she got the win. But, like, even in, like, the WrestleMania programs, the video packages, it's always that Trish and Lita stare down. There was no, like, there was a WrestleMania 18 set of figures after this event, and there was no Jazz figure. Never a Jazz figure. Never a Jazz figure. But, like, I mean, and no hating. I think it's great that she got one. Trish Stratus just got a figure made of her and her WrestleMania 18 gear, which I'm actually very happy about. But it was just like, you know, like Jazz is the one who won this match. And it's just like, it's like almost like an afterthought. It's like, it's almost like it didn't happen, you know? It, it's sad to me. Yeah. Um, Jazz came out first, which is very interesting. Um, obviously, they wanted the big uh, last entrance for Trish. I think all three ladies did phenomenal, though. I think they but, all deserve credit. To be fair, though, like, Trish didn't really even get that, like, big entrance that year then, too. Like, she uh, she did have, and I think is another iconic shot in my head, of her, like, whipping the coat off her shoulder and, like, the little Canadian flag and then, like, turning around. Like, I love that shot. Like, when I used to, like, pretend to be a video editor in, like, eighth grade, like, I used to, like, <laughs> like use that, like, all the time in, like, every video I made. Um, but, yeah, no, like, it's, but Jazz still, in typical Jazz fashion, starts the match on her own terms and starts beating up Lita. And Trish has to, like, scurry her little butt down to the ring, like, get in there, like, before it's over, before she even gets there. You want to like, talk about Jazz getting the short end of the stick? Jose just typed in our group chat, Jazz wasn't even in the WrestleMania 18 video game. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what is wrong with him? He also just attached the picture that it says, um, complete WWE WrestleMania 18 roster page, and Jazz is not on there. Stacey's <laughs> in there, so it wasn't well, an invasion yes. thing. Okay, not a total loss. So like, like, so then in the video game, I guess Stacey just wins the women's title match. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. So, <laughs> Jake would be all for it. <laughs> There's like the, the iconic shot that they show is like Trish and Lita staring each other down and then Stacey doing her spot on the apron, pulling up her pants like in the background. <laughs> like, it's like in the first <laughs> Raw game when Trish's finisher was the kiss of death. <laughs> Someone please Photoshop that for us. Thank well, you. Yeah, well, starting to wrap things up, I'm really glad we did this episode because it kind of gets to talk about the unsung impact that jazz had in many ways. And Chastity, I'll start with you. When you think of jazz, especially in this first title reign, what really comes to mind to kind of sum things up here? I think the two words are just her aggression and intensity. I think all around she was something different. She was something new. And I think that that would just be it. She was something, she was so like fearless and forceful with everything she did. Jake, what about you? I think, you know, badass. So obviously, (laughs) you know, like, Anyone who knows me knows my all-time favorite is China. And, you know, when she, no. left, <laughs> when she left, I was really missing that dominating woman thing. You know, there wasn't really anyone stepping up to the plate in the time she was gone that was bringing it out to the table. And Jazz brought it, but like, in a totally different way. You know, like, China, like, brought, like, the sense of, like, you know, like, I, like, she was trying to be, like, more feminine as well. Like, Jazz did not give a shit about any of that. Jazz just wanted to kick some ass, and I loved that. 
in a way, like, she it, almost brought a little bit of the ECW intensity to, yeah, to, to like, the way. Absolutely. But, like, the thing is, at the same time, though, you know, like, I thought, like, Jazz was a stunning woman. Like, when she did do, like, you know, the bikini shoots and everything like that, yeah. like, was, like, a prerequisite. Everyone had to do it. She still brought it, you know? Like, I remember, like, seeing, like, Divas in the Desert or whatever the hell the magazine was that year and being, like... Divas oh. and heathenism. <laughs> whatever the one was with, like, Don Murray with, like, butterflies on her nipples. Like, I was, like... <laughs> I was, like, wow, Jazz looks really good. Like, and, you know, it was nice to see that side of her, but, like, I'm glad they didn't bring that side of her to TV. I'm glad it was all about ass-kicking and all about just being, like, I'm here to beat the crap out of these women, and I just want to prove I'm the best. And I loved that about her. So she brought intensity. She brought a stellar mania moment and one of my favorites. So, yeah, I, I really love Jazz, and I really love the impact she had on the women's division. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that kind of wraps things up for the month. Thank you so much for joining us here on episode two of the Golden Era podcast. Shout out to Jazz, who we had a chance to speak a little bit with this week. Um, Thank you so much for the impact you've had. Obviously, Jazz will continue to be a subject going forward, including on the next episode next month. We talk about Jazz's reign as WWF Women's Champion continuing. But not only that... We're also going to talk a little Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson beginning. What? Right everybody's yes. a little excited for. So we'll see you then. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at GoldenEra underscore pod. You can find all three of our social medias on there as well. Thanks for joining us on Squared Circle Sirens, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Store, wherever you're listening to us. And we'll see you next time on the Golden Era Podcast. Mm-hmm.